right, amen. Amen. Hey, would you uh, turn in your Bibles uh, to Colossians chapter 3? Uh, we're going to be in Colossians today. We've actually, just to give you a bit of a heads up, we've got uh, uh, three more weeks. The next three weeks are going to be uh, finishing out the book of Colossians, and I'm going to be starting a brand new series with you uh, through the Psalms, and we're going to not go through all 150 of them, um, but we're going to tackle a few. We've got uh, four of them coming uh, right after that, uh, so excited to ha- have a little bit of a streak uh, preaching uh, to you. I love doing that, um, so make sure that you get your Bibles open now, though, to, uh, to the book of Colossians. We're going to be in in uh, verses 1 to 17, kind of a big chunk uh, to go through uh, here today. But hey, as you're getting turned to all of that, uh, I want to give you a little bit of insight into the dynamic of our marriage a little bit. Okay, you ready for this? Everyone's like, (laughs) immediately everyone turns to look at Ange. Don't worry, I got permission for this, okay? No one's being thrown under the bus uh, or anything like that. Um, No, I just wanted to talk about how um, the way that Angie and I approach days off together, like say my day off is typically Friday, uh, the way that we approach days off together though uh, are quite quite different, okay, and that's what I wanted to uh, bring you in a little bit on. Okay, for me, I love it when I have a day off to uh, relax, right? I love to be able to kind of kick my feet up and maybe sleep in a little bit and play with the kids and just kind of take my time, take it easy, maybe have a nap. You know, that's how for me, um, I recharge. Okay, that's for me um, how I like to unwind. Now for Ange, a little bit different, uh, she likes to go do stuff, right? She likes to go do things. She loves being um, productive and hey, let's, let's get out there. Let's go, let's go hike with the kids. Let's go do something together and, and make memories, Okay, now as you can imagine, we have never clashed over this at all, okay? Never clashed. No, well, we have found that uh, where we tend to get into disagreements uh, about all of this um, is when we don't have a game plan. Okay, when we don't have a game plan about our days off is when it tends to um, get a little bit dicey maybe. And uh, we find, for example, that uh, if we wake up and it's the day of the day off, and one of us is like, hey, so what are we doing today? Okay, we, we pretty much know that we're headed for trouble uh, on some level. Because naturally, what's going to happen? What I want to do is going to rise to the surface, right? What I want to do. And then what she wants to do, that's going to rise to the surface. And, uh, and that's where we can have uh, disagreements. Now, what we have found works best for us is if like the day before or sometime in the week before, uh, we have a little bit of a powwow. We put our heads together and we talk through, hey, what's our game plan? Right? Like, what are we, we going to do um, on our day off? And so that the expectations are clear and so that we have some time to um, figure it all out. And when we do that, uh, we always have a great day off that, uh, that both of us uh, loves and enjoys. Um, what we've figured out is that having a game plan is crucial. Right? It's absolutely crucial. Now, something that I've found for a lot of uh, Christ followers is that... Uh, they don't really have much of a game plan when it comes to their spiritual growth. Hey, where, where would you be at with that? Do you have a game plan when it comes to uh, growing in Jesus Christ? Do you realize that God expects you to grow? Do you believe that he wants to change you bit by bit? He wants to work in you. He wants to transform your heart. He wants to transform uh, the desires that you have, the, the way that you live. He wants to um, do a lot. Now, we, of course, know that, that he plays a huge role in that. 
doesn't he? Through his Holy Spirit, he does the work that we could never do, which is transform our hearts. And he actually will give us, the Bible says, he will give us new desires, give us desires for him. He'll make us passionate about the things that he is fired up about. So he plays a huge role, uh, but you better believe that we play a huge role as well. Uh, We really do. And so this morning, we're going to be taking a look at what all of that is and assessing, you know, what is my game plan uh, for growth? And and am I putting all of that into action? Okay, so if you're in Colossians 3, we're going to read the passage here and uh, go through this. So join me, verse 1. It says, if then, this is Paul writing, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And above all, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, a thankfulness in your hearts to God. In whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God, we come before you right now, uh, recognizing this well-known passage, Lord, Uh, that talks and really lays out your expectations for what the Christian life looks like, Lord, and how do we grow? How do we change? How are we transformed? God, we know that uh, we have a role to play in all of this, but Lord, we, we recognize our frailty, Lord. We recognize that we are weak. We recognize that, that we don't have it all together and, and, and we do fail, Lord, but we thank you that you are God. We thank you that you are strong, that by your spirit, we can, we can put these things into practice and seek transformation and change and growth. Lord, I pray that we would be excited about that, Lord. I pray that we would come away today refreshed and encouraged and inspired and ready to just go follow you and do all of these things, Lord. Lord, for anybody who is caught in sin and stuck in all of that, Lord, would you bring conviction, Lord, and, and the joy that comes when we confess our sin and commit again to following you anew, Lord? Would you do this, please? Have mercy. Grow our church, Lord. Change us. Make us more like Jesus. We pray all of it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So what's my game plan for growth? Okay, what's my game plan for growth? That's the question that we're uh, going to be asking today. That's the question you need to be asking. Uh, so what am I doing? What am I doing to ensure that, that my spiritual growth is moving in the right direction? Okay, do you have a plan? 
Do you have a plan? Or, or are you just kind of like, no, I don't really have a plan and I'm just kind of doing whatever. And, and maybe you've been way, way too passive about all of this. And I'm just kind of hoping that it all comes together by osmosis. And somehow I just kind of grow and, and I'm made more like Christ. And he, you know, he does it all. And I just kind of sit here and I'm a recipient. No, right? We, we've got to act too. Uh, again, we have a part to play here. And uh, here's the first thing here as we think about my game plan for growth. Uh, what do I need to do? Well, I must completely renovate my mindset. I've got to completely renovate my mindset. Uh, take a look at the first verse here as we go through this and kind of pull it all apart. It says, uh, if then you have been raised with Christ, or in other words, or, or because you're now a follower of Jesus Christ, Paul's saying, he says, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so Paul's saying here that, that if you are a Christian, okay, you have given your life to Jesus Christ. You've had your sins forgiven and he is now your savior. Your entire focus, your entire pro- approach for the rest of your life, all of it is now to be directed towards things above. Things above meaning, okay, that all of that, our focus, our attentions, our, our thoughts, our attitudes, our desires, our, our actions, all of it should be pointed towards the spiritual values that characterize Jesus Christ. In other words, okay, the types of things that God is against, we're against. Okay, the, the types of things that he is for, we're for. What he's passionate about, uh, we're passionate about. You might be like, well, Why? Why do we have to be on the same page with the Lord? Well, he says right here, verse 3, he says, For you have died. Okay, for you have died, and your life is, uh, is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, so the reason that we focus on Jesus Christ, the reason why we focus on things above, as the text says, Paul reminds us here, is because of the gospel. It's because of the gospel. Do you remember that? Do you think back on the gospel constantly remembering what the Lord uh, has done for you? He reminds us, he says, you've died. Right? You've died. And what, have we, what have we died to? We've died to sin, which means I'm putting that all to bed. I'm burying that. I'm no longer going after that. That's no longer the, the focus of my life. I've, I've died to that. I've, I've died to myself and the way that I want to live my life. And my own pride and my own selfishness, the old way of living, all of it, dead to it. That's what he says. He also says, your life is hidden with Christ. I love that. It's meaning that we have eternal security. True Christ followers have eternal security. We're, we're hidden with him. He protects us. He's holding us in here, which means, which means that we have all of our meaning, all of our hope is now found uh, in him. Everything that we need is in Jesus Christ. Do you realize that? Our, our hearts, our minds, we need reminding of that always. That we would not look to other things to, to bring us completion and, and fulfillment as people. Right? That's really the central theme of the entire book of Colossians. Remember, he's constantly reminding them of the, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. How he is God. How he is everything. What he has done. He has rescued us. The whole thing is about the gospel. The entire thing is. And he reminds us again here that that Christ will appear again and bring us to glory with him. Right? He gets us looking towards the future. He's like, we're headed for heaven. 
That, that, that's our eternal home. So, so time to formulate a game plan now that gets our attention away from, from the temporal, away from kind of the earthly and, and the worldly things and onto the eternal, onto where we're headed, right? And we need the constant reminder of this because here's the deal. When we have our, our perspective and our, our focus on the right place, on the right things, heaven, heavenly things, it gives us the proper perspective and approach about all of this here on earth. It helps us to be able to handle that properly. Now, what you'll notice here through the text is that the proper approach, the proper um, attack, if you will, all begins in the mind. Right? It all begins in the mind. He says, set your minds. Set your minds on things that are above. Okay, if my mind, if my game plan is, is set on things the, uh, that are, uh, that if it's not set on things that are above, okay, I will not grow. I cannot grow spiritually. We have to get our heads in that spot. And I think what often happens is that that Christians, and maybe you'll understand this for yourself, I know I understand it for myself, sometimes um, we often try and kind of behave properly, don't we? And it's kind of, a, it's kind of an outward thing, or, or, or maybe it's kind of a surfacey thing, and, and we do it on the outside, and we sort of play that game where we don't let people in on what's really going on, and we don't even really want to face it ourselves. And, but on the outside, we come to church, we put on the smile, and we put on our best clothes, and all of that. But on the inside, we're kind of waging this war of, of desire, and it's, it's in our mind, and it's, it's in our heart. And what we notice is that in our thinking, again, in our mind, we find that, that all of it is trying to drag us sometimes in the opposite direction from what Christ wants. Right? Do you notice this about yourself? You know, on, on one hand, you're like, I, I kind of want to do this, but on, but on the other hand, I, I, I really actually want to do this other thing over here. It's live for myself. You notice that? Hey, everyone has this battle. Everyone struggles with this. Paul talks about it in, in Romans chapter 7. F- phenomenal passage of the wrestling match that goes on between, between wanting to follow the flesh and, and wanting to follow the spirit and all of that. And if you recognize that that you're in that battle, and maybe today you, you, you would admit that you're kind of on the losing end of it, maybe lately, and that you're not really in the best place, it really should be a signal to you that you're in need uh, of a complete remodeling, uh, renovation of your mindset. Okay, so think about like home rentals, for example. Okay, what do you do when you renovate your house? Right, you strip that baby down, don't you? You, like, you, like, you rip down the walls. You tear it down to the studs. You, you knock down and re-engineer walls and completely change the structure and, and what it looks like inside so that it's better. Right? That's what we do with our homes. Well, it's the, the exact same thing that we need to do with our thinking. We need to do that with our thinking. And so ask yourself the question, you know, how's my growth going? How am I doing with that lately? You know, do I have this sense that I am growing, that I'm being transformed in kind of this, 
bit by bit, likely step by step kind of a thing. I mean, maybe you're in the position right now where, where the growth is rapid and it's happening like crazy. And every day, every single week, it's like something new you're learning about the Lord. Well, I would just say that's amazing. That's awesome. And I love it when God gives us seasons like that. It's, it's tough, but it's also incredible. But I would say overall, the transformation that happens over the span of a lifetime is slow. Right? It does happen kind of step by step. But hopefully it's slowly but surely. Are you noticing that? Or would you say that you're, you're stalled out? You're kind of at the side of the road and you're not really moving. Maybe you're, you would say that you're stuck in a rut spiritually. You know, are you just kind of going through the motions? Right? And every day is just kind of this, like this blah, bland existence with the Lord. There's no joy. There's no passion involved in any of that. Okay? Or, or worse, maybe you would admit here um, that you're actually going in the wrong direction. You know, and I've been pursuing uh, the wrong things entirely, and they're, they're halting my growth, and they're, they're moving me in, in the wrong direction, and, and, and I'm totally, I've lost the joy, and all I'm bringing in are, are pain and, and problems, and, and there are um, consequences that, that I'm experiencing on all of this, and, and my family and loved ones and people that I know, they're experiencing it uh, as well. Okay, and if that's you, it's a good thing to admit that. Okay, it's a good thing. Don't, don't be scared. Don't be, don't be shy of admitting that. Don't just kind of push it deep down and hope that it goes away. It won't. It will just get worse. But if that is you, are you willing to completely renovate your mindset? Are you willing to do that? And if, if you want to get to a better place, you have to start there. If you want to develop a game plan, that's got to be step one. Paul says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Not on earthly things. Okay, and notice how he doesn't leave room for like partial commitment here. He's not like, hey, kind of set your hearts on things above or your minds on things above. Or seek some of the things that are above. No, he's not saying that. He's challenging us. He's like, be all in. Like, Come on, Christ was all in for us. That's what he's calling us to be now. All in for him. All our chips forward. Not one foot in, one foot out, straddling the fence. Okay, no, or I'm not going to set my mind on things above, just on Sundays when people are watching. Nope. Complete renovation. That's what I'm going for. All my eggs in the things above basket. Okay, and holding nothing back. Now you might be wondering, well, how do we do this? You know, I, I've, I've read this passage before. I've read lots of passages before. And, and I'm wondering, how do I... How do I get out of this place that I'm in, this, this cycle of, uh, of kind of deadness and numbness that my, that my heart is experiencing? Okay, how do I renovate my mindset? Well, I've got seven things. You can write these down if you like, and these are by no means every single thing that you should do, um, but seven key ones. Okay, the first ones is how do I completely renovate my mindset? First one is carve out some time to deal with this. Carve out some time to deal with this. Now, I remember um, years and years ago now, I was, before we were married, I was uh, living at home in, in Mississauga, and I remember uh, going through some stuff with the Lord and being like, man, I, I, I got to take some time. I remember like taking the day off work, and I, I drove up to Barrie, and I just like drove around and walked around, just spending some time praying, and I had my Bible with me and just seeking the Lord and make sure I was, making sure I was getting some things right and, and not rushing through, not glancing over, but, but t- giving it a good hard look. I would encourage you, do something like that. Maybe you need to take a day off work. Maybe it's a weekend, or for you, it's like get somebody to watch the kids. 
and, and go and, and spend an afternoon, spend a couple of hours, just get rid of the phone, get rid of the computer, the distractions, and just get right with him. Carve out some time and deal with this. What I'm getting at is like a 30-second prayer probably won't cut it. It's not to say that God can't forgive you in 30 seconds. He absolutely can in less time than that. But I think sometimes we kind of have these moments in messages like this where they're like, oh yeah, Lord, I really need to change some things. Let's do this. And then like, that's it, right? Or, or it's like at communion time. Oh yeah, I've got a month's worth of sin. I've got to confess right now. I'm, I'm going to completely change my life. And it's like the same exact thing at the end, every single month through communion. Okay, it probably doesn't cut it. We've got to take some time to properly think through what are the mistakes I'm making? What are the errors in my thinking? How do I replace these things with truth? And so that I can come up with a good plan. I can renovate my mind. It all starts with the mind. Here's the second one. Remind yourself of the gospel. Remind yourself of the gospel. Okay, that is the thing that will properly recalibrate your heart and your mind. Because what so often happens when we feel convicted, when, when, when we realize that, hey, you know what? I'm really not living my life the way that I should. We tend to make some decisions to follow the Lord, but what's driving it? Guilt, right? Shame. So many of us have grown up in these kinds of churches where it's like, you're, you're an idiot unless you're doing this, right? You're like, well, I guess I am, and I better, you know, we make decisions based on that position, right? If you feel guilty, that's an okay first thing, but that should not be the thing that drives you every step of the way. The Lord has no intention of, of, of guilt being the thing that drives you to, drives you to him and, and fuels you through a relationship with him. It's the truth of the gospel, the fact that God loves you despite your brokenness, despite your fallenness. He loves you passionately. He's willing to forgive you. He's willing to work with you. That's why we remind ourselves of the gospel. Spend some time in, I would say, like the book of Romans. book of Romans unpacks everything that Jesus has done through the cross. Goes into great detail of it. Sometimes we have kind of a very simplistic understanding of the gospel. And there's so much depth and so much richness in all of that that maybe we don't think about. And maybe we don't allow to capture our hearts. Okay, remind yourself of the gospel. That's the second one. Third one, get real. Okay, get real. I already hinted at this. But the idea here is just be brutally honest with yourself. Brutally honest with yourself. Okay, if you're not getting it, admit it. If, if you've been messing up and you've been doing it for a long time, admit it. Admit it to yourself. Admit it to the Lord. Get real. Okay, honestly, if you're not being real, it's a sign that pride is ruling your life. Do you really want to be there? Do you really want pride to get the upper hand? Admit it. Pray for humility. Pray that your heart would be, would be softened in all of that. Here's one thing that I would say, though. It's just a bit of a caution. You don't need to be harsh with yourself. Okay, you don't need to be harsh. This tends to be my go-to. And I'm the guy up there like flogging myself in the back about how I'm the most, like the biggest wretch on earth ever. Like always, right? Is that, is that any good? Does that really help us? Like I'm being harder on myself than Jesus is, right? And sometimes some of us get that way. And we're, and we're, we're hard. We're hard. No, we need to be honest, but not harsh. And for you, maybe it's, it's admitting that you don't even care. Right? I know that I should care, Lord, but I don't. I don't want to follow you. I want to follow my own way. I love my sin. I love the pleasure that I get from that. I love the, admit it. Admit that. Ask him to, again, to soften you. The Lord can handle your honesty. We see that through the Psalms. The psalmist often prays just honesty. And the, the anger, the frustration, all of that comes out. The Lord can deal with it. 
Get real. Fourth one, confess your sin. Confess your sin to God. I think sometimes we can admit our sin and kind of realize, yeah, like I don't have it all together, but do we actually apologize to the Lord for what we've done? Do we do that or do we, do we just kind of breeze over it? The Bible talks about repentance. Repentance is, is a turning away from sin, and, but it's not just an action. Pastor Paul talked about this a couple of months ago. I love it. It's, it's a change of mind, right? It's a change of mind. We need to confess our sin uh, to the Lord. We need to apologize. 1 John 1.9 says, If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and purify you from some unrighteousness. No, from all unrighteousness, right? He will forgive you. He will forgive you. So confess this, your, the sin to the God. That's the fourth one. Fifth one, tell someone. Okay, tell somebody. This is a hard one for people. Okay, but fewer things weaken the power of sin over your life like true accountability. True accountability. If you are unwilling to tell somebody, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's somebody that you trust, somebody who is mature in Christ, if you're unwilling to tell somebody and to open up and be like, hey, listen, th- these are my weaknesses, right? These are my faults. If you're unwilling, it's, again, it's a, it's a sign of deep-rooted pride. Deep-rooted pride. And I've noticed that if there's sin in my life that I can't get the upper hand on, usually it's because I haven't told anybody. I haven't brought somebody in on it. I haven't exposed the light to it. Sin shrivels up and dies when you start to tell people uh, about it. Now, you've got to be careful about that. You don't just tell anybody you got to be wise about it, for sure. Uh, but confess it to somebody. Get true accountability. It's one of the greatest things I love about our small group. Where we get together and we talk through. I get to talk through with the guys. Kind of where I'm at. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's where the victories are. And we have like a, like a text group that we do. And all through the week, we're just like, hey guys, I'm struggling with this. Or here's a verse. Or you know, here's something that's been really encouraging me. I want to encourage you as well. So I love it. It's awesome. If I didn't have great accountability in my life, I would have blown out of ministry years ago. I need it. Tell somebody. Sixth one, get people to pray for you. Get people to pray for you. Okay, I love this. And this is James 5.16. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's what the NIV says. Get people to pray. Again, this kind of goes back to accountability a little bit, but I've got these guys that are praying for me. I know my wife's praying for me. I know that I have uh, people around me praying, and if I didn't, I'd be toast. Am I any different than you? No. We need prayer. We need prayer. Get people to pray. And then here's the last one, number seven. It should be obvious, but it's come up with a plan. They come up with a plan to get moving in the right direction. Okay, so what, what's the new thing that I'm going to do so that, I, so that I don't go back to where I was? What's the new thing? What's the new change? It might be a minor change. It might be a little tweak. It might be a major thing. Maybe you're like, I've never read the Bible before. Well, we'll start reading. Right? That's going to strengthen you. Maybe it's get back into that. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's some form of accountability or small group you need to get into. What's the plan? What's the little change that you need to do? But listen, if you don't change your mind okay, your actions will never change. They never will. We want our actions to change. It all starts in the mind. We need to completely, completely renovate it. Okay, well, all of this is really leading us to the second thing here. Okay, the second thing, uh, what's my game plan for growth? Well, it's kill what's trying to kill me. Kill what's trying to kill me. Take a look at verse 5 now. Verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, uh, what is earthly in you, 
sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or and Jew, uncircumcised and, uh, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay, well, what you'll notice here is he goes, he lists off um, a bunch of sins that were to put away, that were to be done with. And this list is by no means exhaustive. So if you're like, hey, you didn't mention my vice, I guess I'm, I'm off scot-free here. Uh, well, no, of course not. Okay, but he does list some of the ones that absolutely beat us down. Beat us down. He kind of groups them in, in categories here, two categories. The first one, we'll just call them uh, the sins of warped love. The sins of warped love. And he mentions, uh, first of all, he mentions sexual immorality. Okay, the, the word for that is, is porneia, from which we get the word pornography. Uh, in Paul's day, it also referred to uh, prostitution. And he uses the word there, impurity, which means uh, filthiness or uncleanness. And that word actually goes beyond the act uh, into the evil intentions of the mind. He says uh, passion and evil desire. So these are... These two words are referring to kind of the, the physical and mental sides of the same vice. He says uh, covetousness. Some, some of your translations might say greed. Instead, it means uh, to have. To have. It's, it's the insatiable desire to have what's forbidden. Right? I want that and I, I crave it and I need more of it. Okay? These are all various aspects of, of warped Love is sexual sin. Now, this is important. I mean, I've heard a number of pastors say, and, and uh, I would uh, kind of agree with them on this, that, that how we as the church, how we as individuals um, respond to sexual sin is the defining characteristic of our generation. You agree with that? It is. It really is. Hey, much like uh, in biblical times, and you read through it, you see it big time in uh, First and Second Corinthians. Uh, much like that, our culture has saturated itself uh, in sex. Okay, and I'm not going to get graphic or anything like that, but devastatingly so, uh, the church has followed suit. And by church, I mean Christ followers. Right? I mean Christians. It affects us every bit as much as it affects the world. I mean, when, when Time Magazine's uh, recent cover article uh, talks about the dangerous effects of pornography and, and when the state of Utah, did you hear this? It was just like this week or last week. Uh, they declared uh, pornography a public health crisis. Okay, They just announced that. When you, when you notice the world starting to announce these things, you know something's up. Right? The, you know, even the pagan society around us is starting to clue in that like, hey, I, I, think, I think some of this stuff's like starting to do some damage. Right? That's what they're saying. I mean, how much more does the bride of Christ need to snap to attention on this? Right? We do. Sexual sin is killing us. It is rotting us out from the inside out. Okay, but here's the mistake. Here's a mistake that I don't want us uh, making here. And this is all in the spirit of, you know, again, completely renovating uh, our mindsets 
is that some Christ followers, some Christians, they get to the place where they start to experience victory over, over pornography, right? Which is awesome. And, and they don't struggle with it maybe that uh, in the same way that they used to. Men and women, I'm under no illusions that this is just a problem for guys, right? It's a big time problem uh, for women as well. Okay, but maybe it's, you're kind of getting over some of that or, or maybe it never was a major struggle for you. Well, here's the question. Does your mind still play with lust? Do you, do you still allow, like, just a little bit? Right? I'm not going to live according to God's standard of holiness and perfection. I'm going to live according to my, to my own. And I'm going to let a little bit of that stuff in. Okay, do you let your thoughts, do you let your eyes wander where they shouldn't? Maybe you've been getting a little bit too slack on how you handle yourself online or with social media and Instagram and searching things and looking at things that you shouldn't. Okay, maybe none of it is porn technically. Okay, but for you, it might as well be. It is. And, and, and the danger with all of this is that it's, it's actually more deceptive in some ways because you're not treating it as, as negative as it is. And it's tricking you into thinking that it's not a big deal. And so you don't attack it with the same type of intensity as you would if it was actual pornography. Kill it. Kill it. Repent of that. Cry out to the Lord. Drop to your knees. Say, God, I've, I've, I, I can't figure this out. I can't fix this on my own. Would you, would you transform me in this? Lord, would you do it? Would you help me kill this sin? Paul says that the wrath of God is coming. That should be sobering. The wrath of God is coming to deal with this. We do not want to be in the path of that. You do not want to deal with God's discipline over this. And listen, I've got uh, a book here that I've read. Uh, I started it last summer. I read it. And uh, without question, this vaulted to um, my top five favorite books of all time. It's called Finally Free. And it's by a guy named Heath Lambert. And uh, he's a biblical counselor. And he wrote this book on sexual purity. Without question, the best book I've ever read on the topic. Guys, get this. Order it today. I don't care if you don't listen to the rest of what I'm about to say. Order it on your phone. <laughs> Honestly. Do it. Get it. Get it for your kids. You've got teenagers. Get it for them. Have a discussion with them about it. You do not want the school system teaching them about this. You do not want their friends teaching them about this. Be willing to have an awkward conversation with your kids. Dads, take the charge on this. Take the lead on this. Talk to your sons. Women, talk to your daughters. Come up with a game plan. Talk about it. Help them. Come alongside of them. By the way, the first person that comes up to me after the service, you get this one. It's all for you. Another thing, just a kind of a, a tool that you can use called, called Covenant Eyes. Some of you have it. Some of you have, have heard of it. It's, uh, it's computer software. There's other different versions of it. Covenant Eyes is kind of the main one. It's kind of the force uh, in all of it. And it's, I don't know, it's like eight or ten bucks a month. And you get this program, this software on your computer, on your phones, on your tablets. And what it does is it... It kind of tracks where you've been going and it sends a history report to an accountability partner. If, right? If you feel that way, you needed to get this yesterday. Right? Seriously. Get it for your kids. Make sure that your kids have it. Make sure it's being sent to you. 
Talk to them about it. They have an amazing website that gives you all kinds of resources and talks through all kinds of amazing things and opens your eyes to what, it, what, the, what, the, what it's all about. Okay, get it. It's an amazing program. There's other ones too. There's free ones out there. They've all got kind of their pros and their cons, but Covenant Eyes can be so, uh, so helpful. Will it completely fix everything and change your heart? No, it's one tool. It's one tool. It can help you uh, take some drastic uh, measures uh, when it comes to all of this. This stuff is killing you. It's killing you. Do you understand that? Here's the second kind of category that he talks about. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly now, but it's the sins of evil hatred. The sins of evil hatred. Verse 8, take a look. He says, uh, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And he says, do not lie to one another. Okay, so these describe all uh, the, the different types of hatred that we have towards each other, towards one another. And I would just ask, do these describe you? Now you might be thinking like slander and, and malice and obscene. That's not me. Right? I'm better than that. Okay, don't be too quick to give yourself a pass. Because I would ask, what's going on underneath the surface? Right, what's going on underneath the surface? Do you come into church? I don't want to say this is just a lady's problem. It's for the guys too. But you come into church and you're like, hey, how's it going? Why'd you look at me like that? <laughs> right? What is she wearing? Right? Are, you, are you judging? Right? Probably maybe more of a lady's thing on the wearing thing. I don't know. Maybe more than guys. Okay, but are you doing that? Is, that? is that swirling underneath the surface? Is there, is there judgmentalism? Why is she always like that? Why is he doing the thing the way that he does it? Are, are you slandering in your heart? Are you gossiping? Are you doing all of those things? Okay, don't just try and mask it with good behavior and good words. That's nothing. God, God doesn't, that doesn't please him. Okay, fight against it. None of that can be us. We have to love each other. We have to encourage each other. We have to inspire. We have to cheer each other on. You might be like, why? Why do we need to do that? Well, Paul says it verse 9. He says, For you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Like, this is who you are now. He says, Here there's not Greek and Jew and circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is in all. Or he's, in, he's all and in all. And so there, there aren't different categories of people. That's how we treat people. We, we kind of like to group people into these different, well, they're like that, and this person is over here like this, and that person is a little bit better than that person, and I'm either above him or I'm below her. Or That's not the way that the Lord lo looks at it. It's not the way that he works. The playing level, the playing field is level. So let's not exalt ourselves above each other. Do you know that what that is is hatred? It's hatred. The stuff, it, it kills us. Again, it rots us out. The sexual sin, the hatred, all of it, it's doing that to us. It separates us from God. It makes us so that we're not, we're not joyful. We, we're, we're, we're passionless. It, it dulls it. We don't, we don't care about each other. And, it, and if any, any of this describes you at all, I plead with you, destroy it. Kill it. Fight against it. It, it, it's going to be a battle. I'm telling you right now, Satan's not going to be happy about this. He's not going to be happy about this message. He's going to come after me. He's going to come after you with all of it. But all of this has to be a huge part of our game plan for growth. Here's the last thing. Third part of the game plan. Actively pursue what's good. Actively pursue what's good. 
Okay, so it's not just about ridding ourselves of all the negative, all the things that Christ is against, but, I, but it's actually going after the things that, that Christ is for. Verse 12, he says, put on then. Okay, put on, that's an, that's an action word. He already said put off in the previous verses. It, it's, to, it's to signify like clothing, like you, would, like you would put on a shirt in the morning. You need, you need to put these things on. Action Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with, with, uh, with uh, one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Remember, he goes back to the gospel on that. So you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love is like the glue. He says, and let peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Notice how many times he says to be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These verses show us that, that growth in our relationship with God is really a call to action. It's a call to action. And so the question really is, are we going to answer that call? Are we going to answer the bell? Okay, put it this way. If you're at work, right, and and your boss comes up to you and he tasks you with a project. He's like, hey, I I really need you to do this. And maybe he gives you you a a due date for that. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? You're probably not going to be like, yep, I'll get to that in just a sec. I'm just going to kind of kick my feet up here and get some shut-eye you know, pull the cap down and uh, hope that everything just works out. Right? Of course you're not going to do that. You're, you're going to jump um, all over the, the opportunity. But I think that's kind of how we, how we kind of react with verses like this. This is how we respond with the Lord. We read this and we're like, hmm, interesting. Great suggestions, God. Right? But what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? We're just like, yeah, maybe, you know, I'll somehow pick some of that up along the way, but I'm not going to grab hold of it. Well, no, he's telling us to go after it. You see the action. Put it on. He's, he's saying things to us like, like, be compassionate and kind. Okay, pursue a life of, of humility and, and, and forgive each other when things go sideways and love others deeply and let peace rule your hearts. Okay, be thankful in all circumstances and saturate your minds with the word of God. It's a a reminder to get into it constantly and and teach each other and encourage and and sing your worship and praise. Be be even more grateful. And I love how he kind of just wraps that whole section up. He says, whatever you do, no matter what you do, do it in the name of Christ. Do it for his glory. Now, would you say that you're actively pursuing these things? Are you doing it? I'm not asking you, are you doing them perfectly? Because that's never going to happen. None of us are going to do these things perfectly. I'm asking if you're, are you making a, a concentrated effort to grow in these areas, to press into the Lord, to, to nurture your heart, to love him, and to love the things that he's about. That is, again, it's a process of that. It requires that we, that we dig in, that we strap in and go for it with the Lord. And I ask you, because this is something that I've noticed about myself, and I think it's true for all of us, is that it's, it's really easy to not actively pursue these things, isn't it? 
It's really easy. And instead, we kind of shift our relationship or our, our growth in the Lord back into neutral, don't we? And, and we, we, we kind of shift into to, to what I'll call like, like sin avoidance mode. Sin avoidance mode. And what I mean by that is we, we, can, we can spend all of our time and all of our energy and all of our, our focus trying to avoid sin and, and avoid the, the pitfalls and the disaster. You see how our focus is all in the negative instead of actually, actually going after what the Lord has for us. If you're in sin avoidance mode, it's a lousy game plan. It is. And what we end up becoming are just these lukewarm, passionless people who are, are trying to behave by not doing the wrong thing instead of fired up followers of Jesus Christ consumed with him and our love for him and passionately pursuing what's good. Our hearts will be fired up to pursue what's good, to pursue the things of the Lord and press into holiness and righteousness when our hearts are gripped by the truth of the gospel. That's really it. The gospel message, it tells us that we are, we're deeply flawed. Right? We are broken. We are, we are damaged goods because of our sin. And all of that is towards God. It is towards our creator But the gospel tells us that even though we're deserving of all of that punishment, the Lord God in his great love for us and his his mercy and his grace, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth and take all of that punishment that we deserve onto himself so that we could receive forgiveness, so that we could receive new life, so that we could go free and that we could be free to follow him free to do it according to the way he says we should, to follow his plan. And listen, if you're here this morning and you would say that you do not know Jesus Christ personally, you just have to understand what I just talked about. You have to admit your brokenness, admit your sinfulness. Don't hide it, don't cover it up. Even if you've done one, in your mind, minor thing, it's enough to separate you from God. It thoroughly corrupts your heart. And you need Jesus Christ to forgive you of that and give you his perfect righteousness. You can do that by admitting your sin and asking God to be, asking Christ to be your savior. It's really as simple as that. Now for the rest of us here, a lot of us here have been following the Lord. Okay, how are you doing? How's your game plan for growth going? Maybe for you, um, you've noticed yourself starting to slip just a little bit. And for you today, it's like, I just got to recommit to this. Right? I've got a pretty good game plan, and, and I'm trying to follow the Lord, and, I, and I'm trying to go for this, but, but, you know, I have been slipping over the last uh, week or a couple of months or whatever it's been. I just need to pull up my socks a little bit and get back to my solid game plan. Listen, the Christian life is about tons and tons of recommitments. Our flesh constantly, constantly wants what we want. And so it's always coming back, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Lord, I'm going to follow you. Lord, would you forgive me for the way that I follow my own ways? I want to follow you. Maybe for you it's recommitment. Maybe for you, uh, you've realized that your current game plan is, is garbage, right? It, it's no good, and I need to renovate it, and I need to change my game plan. What I've been doing, it, it's not working, and it's not leading me anywhere, and I, I need to take some steps, and I need to think about this, and I need to formulate a solid plan. Maybe for others of you, 
You know, maybe for you, it's, you're brand new in the faith, and that's, that's awesome. That's great. And you've never thought about this. I need to have a game plan. For you, it's, it's, it's just structuring one for the first time. What is it? Am I going to get up in the morning? Am I going to read every day? Am I going to pray? Am I going to find some people and some people that I trust and that are mature in Christ that can pray for me and support me? And I'm maybe going to get, some, uh, get this book finally free. Am I going to get covenant eyes on my computer? It's, if it's not one of those sins, it's something else that hasn't been mentioned here this morning. What am I going to do to deal with that? What's my game plan? Because, hey, no plan is a bad plan. And I think what we need to do is we just need to start trusting the Lord and get going with it already. Get going with it. We don't need to take forever wallowing in the shame and guilt and sin and, and, and pain of all of it. We can get moving. The Lord redeems. The Lord can restore. The Lord can bring joy. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, David prays in Psalm 51. I love that. And it's after his sin with Bathsheba, sexual sin. He's like, the joy of my salvation's gone. I feel dead inside. Lord, would you restore that to me? Pray for that. Ask for that. The Lord wants to do it. If you need any help, we're, we're available. We want to talk to you. We want to pray for you. We want to help you. Let's trust the Lord. Let's dig into this. Let's grow. Let's move this thing forward. Let's lead our families well. Let's lead the church. Let's be a beacon of light in this community. Let's do it for the sake of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you are a merciful and loving God, Lord, and how the gospel message is always, always, always relevant, Lord. Always. Lord, I pray there's going to be people in all different walks of life here this morning, Lord. People who are feeling beat down and burdened in their guilt. Lord, I pray that you would restore the joy of their salvation, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those who are hard-hearted, who right now, Lord, are still fighting against everything that you've been trying to say to them here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would soften them. pray that you would break down their pride. You would lead them to repentance. You would grant them repentance. Your word speaks of that. Lord, I pray that we would, we would come up with a game plan. We would stick to it. I pray that we would lead our families well. Lord, I pray that we would grow in maturity, Lord, so that we can be more effective in your hands, Lord, so we would be a stronger church, so that you could use us more powerfully, so that you would get more glory. We pray all this in your name. Amen.